Good morning and welcome to the farm. I'm Karcher Williams, the Rural Mum, and today I'm joined for our series, You've Married the Farmer, Now What? with Eleanor Cook. So Eleanor, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and how you came to marry your farmer. So um, I was brought up on a dairy farm in the Southern Highlands. Um, my family moved to Central Worth, New South Wales while I was doing my nursing training. And I moved out to nurse at Orange and I met my husband, who is a um, first generation farmer. And, you know, romance blossomed and we got married and here we are. Yep, so our property, um, our property runs sheep and cattle. Excellent, and how did you meet Sam? Um, Sam bought his property and moved to the district and we all socialised as young people with the rugby club and he was there one night and I thought he looked pretty interesting and yep, yep, he, he was a new arrival and he didn't have a Christmas tree so I took him a Christmas tree and yeah, we moved on from there so um, yeah, we got together after, yeah, we were together about four years and then we got married and a few years later we had our first child and we've got three children who are all grown now. We've got um, two girls who are off the farm doing their own thing and our son Sam is has been back on the, back on the property for five years now. He had five years away in central New South Wales and northern Queensland and the Northern Territory so um, yep just gave him time to see where he wanted his life to go and now he's back um, doing a lot of the hard yakka. Good. Good. So when you first moved to the farm, were there any daily lessons or notes that you first thought, oh, I hadn't thought that I'd need to know this? Um, so for me, coming from a farming background, I had a fairly good idea of what um, what was entailed. You know, my, my parents had moved on, they were running a beef property. I was fairly naive about how to manage sheep, so that was a bit of a learning curve. I can remember standing in the yards with my husband yelling at me to open a gate and when you don't know how sheep run through a set of yards and you look around a set of sheep yards and he's yelling at you open the gate of which there's <laughs> I don't know five or ten of them that was probably yep so yep that was probably one of my learning things just how to handle and manage sheep as a thing um, probably for me um, as I said the, the hands-on side of it I was ready and willing to adjust to for me it was actually sorting out our domestic situation because I was working on and off the farm, he was working on the farm, so it was actually how the domestic duties were going to be broken down was yep. sort of, yeah, one of the big things in our early early marriage. Yep. Yeah. On a weekly basis, what did you find you were doing on a, on a daily basis? Oh, pretty much, um, because of my husband's situation, he had a car accident um, in his 20s and he's got mobility issues so we always had a workman um, for the first few, quite a few numbers years of our life so um, pretty much I consider myself a bit of the farm rouseabout so I just did whatever so it'd be to and from town to pick up things that we needed um, certainly um, yeah in those early days on the weekends when we didn't have a workman it was out checking lambing ewes or you know if we're getting stock in um, we're going to shear just you know helping muster and shed sheep and yeah so um, Sam always runs the book so I, yeah I still probably that role has just morphed over the years but that's still really what I do I'm just yep I pick up and do whatever needs to be done. Yeah what was the biggest lesson you learned? Biggest lesson I learned um, probably to to clarify your roles so we after a few years we came to the understanding that 
inside the garden fence was my domain and we would discuss but I had ultimate decision or, or you know made the ultimate decision things outside the garden fence um, was Sam's domain and after discussion he would then make the ultimate decision and now that we've got our young our son home it's now it's the three of us make those outside decisions and also Sam because he's been home for five years young Sam he um, he's now moving to take all the stock management decisions on his own so starting to move onto him having that responsibility when it comes to buying and selling stock it's still a real joint decision and ultimately well pretty much we usually come to a decision and and then Sam goes ahead and, and does it yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. what piece of advice were you given um, when you first moved to the farm or over the years that you still refer back to um, that's sort of that gold nugget that sits at the forefront of your brain. <laughs> <laughs> My father who is a fourth or fifth generation farmer um, he told me when I got married if you don't want to do it don't learn how to do it so that, was, that, that has come back that's been a pearl I dragged my feet about the shearing shed I, ha I now can probably do all the jobs but yeah over the years I wasn't enthusiastic there's always we always had you know a team come in and rousies but yeah so the shearing shed now um, if needed I can I fill in but um, and um, the other one that I really probably dragged my feet about was learning how to drive the tractor and in hindsight probably with the stress involved when I have had to do it it would have been easier just to have learnt to be a reasonably proficient tractor driver because we run a beef and, and sheep um, business the tractors you know we're not doing hours and hours on farm you know um, ploughing and stuff but you know when push comes to shove if I'm the only one there and as I said my husband's got a mobility issue um, yeah I'm the one that has to get telling me what to do to unload something off something or put something on something yeah and that's yeah, yeah very stressful so particularly when you yeah. haven't done it before <laughs> yes yes and when you're not and because of our situation it's like anything if you're doing it every day or every week you come but I even if I I don't know that I'd ever become fully proficient because it, I'm not needed to do it that regularly and then when I am needed to do it over the years we've upgraded the tractor so you step into the tractor and it's a whole new world. There's all sorts of lessons that yeah. you learn but for me um, the five lessons I think over the years I've been in this role for a long time now um, work as a team it's probably you know build that team if it's even if it's just your husband and you or you know and then when the children come along integrate them in you know that it's a team um, make plans but be flexible because farming well droughts and rain and you know flexibility is a very useful tool to Something have always comes up um, always factor in a buffer um, in anything you do so be that a job because inevitably you've start a job and things happen and it takes longer so just being mindful not to fill your day up because if you get to the end of the day and you haven't finished your jobs you feel a bit defeated where if you've finished and can get something extra done you feel yeah better about it um, you know your fodder factor in a buffer for fodder for drought so that you know we've been through in our years of marriage drought's been a very dominant part of our, our farming um, career and you know money you know have a bit of money there there's going to be hard times in farming so you know just try and have none of us can have mega bucks but you know if there's just a little buffer um, yeah. buffer for cash flow buffer for cash flow and probably 
you know, I've worked, I've only, I've worked on farm, off farm, um, all my married life, and so that off farm money has always sat there for, you know, if the washing machine blows up, there's always something, yeah, I can just go and buy myself a new washing machine and make life easy. The good times are always followed by bad times, so you just, yep, yep, just be comfortable with that rotation, and for me, um, just always keep farm safety in mind. You know, I've been in the, I've been around long enough to see, have seen tragedies, and yeah, I have to say my family probably um, very affectionately labelled me the farm safety Nazi, but I don't regret and yeah, being that way. Yeah, yeah. Were there a few things that you've implemented in particular on the farm over the years around that farm safety? Um. Yeah. Well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the things would probably think about the four-wheel bike, um, the kids, they would go on it with us, um, but they, yeah, they, they were quite old before I let them ride it on their own, you know, we're quite lucky the place isn't not completely flat, but, you know, it's just that kids don't have that capacity to risk assess, and so um, the four-wheel bike, um, much to my absolute son's disgust, I wouldn't let him near a chainsaw until he'd done a chainsaw course. And since he's got home, he's had um, one significant near miss, and he now, at an older person, now respects why I had that attitude. Yeah. Um, they were pro we did yeah we did low stock stock handling course with our kids um, when they were reasonably young because they were always working and helping in the yard. So they're probably the three things that really stick out to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't turn your back on an animal. It doesn't matter how yeah. friendly they are, how long you've been around it. Yep. <laughs> Just don't turn your back. <laughs> Beautiful. Having the kids on the farm, what would you say when they were younger would have been your go-to, what you would now refer to as tips and tricks? for having the three on the farm with you? Yeah, I don't, I found that one a really difficult <laughs> one. I have to say when they were under school age, I pulled back from doing um, a lot of the hands-on stuff. They, it was just too hard to juggle myself, the kids and everything else. So um, we, you know, on the weekends and stuff they were there, but obviously Sam would be with them and I'd be doing something or, yeah. or whatever. And then um, as they got older, um, we probably the two, the thing was just to set very clear limits and also and get them involved. So because if they're doing something, they're less likely to be wandering off getting into mischief, you know. Yes. And it also being from a farming family, um, the kids they just rolled up their sleeves and they you know had to. We got to a point with droughts where we had to let our workmen go. By then the kids were all in late primary, early high school, and um, yeah, they just. Yeah, they just became part of the team. So, no specific, but uh, yeah, just being mindful that you, when you've got the kids, your main role is to be their yeah. mum, which involves just keeping them safe. And if other things didn't happen, so that encompasses the, the change in adaptation as they as they grew. Were there still limitations or things that you tried to implement with them once they were of school age, particularly going into the high school years and they took on a little bit more, you know, on the weekends or in the afternoons? Was there any roles in particular that they had that you then incorporated just safety marks in the suit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose um, the kids all, you know, ended up with 
jobs that they did, you know, there were animals to feed and those sort of things. So you, you, when you started to move over, you just gave them jobs that were within their capacity. Yeah. You didn't put them into, you know, into roles that was beyond their their capacity. Um, and you, you know, supervised them. I can know, you know, when Sam was out with the four-wheel bike and the kids started to use the four-wheel bike, and then he was out there with them, you yeah. know, and just guiding and reminding and um, and then if he'd in a situation and had got a bit ahead of them fortunately we never had any big accident it was just to reflect on that and what could have happened so yeah. teaching them to try and grow that sort of bigger vision which comes with with stage um, again you know the tractor work everything's everything went some it was a very informal training program but there was a training it wasn't there wasn't they just weren't sent out to yep. do something they were guided and monitored and yep. yeah yeah so so letting them out with a little leash rather than yes. throwing them the whole leash and letting them run <laughs> and see what they come back with <laughs> yeah <laughs> how did that re reflection as part of your team um, structure you said team teamwork was very um, important to you and the family so when you were doing the reflection of okay so this happened today in the yards we're not going to do that next time you know how did that conversation look um, usually every now and then it was a it was dangerous at the time so there was at so at the time it was the yep. reaction yes. and then it was back into the house you know later on and then just um, revisiting it and then putting a different taking that reaction because you were worried about their safety and you were worried about them yeah. and yeah bringing them in and trying to get them to you know talk about how it happened and why it happened and yeah, yeah just yeah, yeah. just to, again trying to encourage them to use it as a learning experience yeah. and depending on the situation and the child sometimes they get a bit bristly yeah um, but that's just you know as you as your kids grow you learn their different natures and you sort of learn ways to address things are probably my biggest throughout all my life while ever you're angry about something don't have the discussion yeah. wait until you all feel calm about it yeah. so it might be 24 hours later before you actually go back and revisit it because yeah. when things are said in anger it's very hard to retract them where if you can things say things when you're calm yes. the message is heard much better yes <laughs> didn't do it all the time no <laughs> <laughs> and then we circle back again. <laughs> and then you apologise if you've really been whoopy. <laughs> yeah. So you spoke a little bit about balancing the farm life with the family life. When the kids were younger, you pulled back a little bit. Um, and then yourself and the kids got more involved as you progressed again. Was there any other indications as to whether it was their age or their maturity as to why you would readapt or um, head back into certain jobs and roles or did you find that sometimes it was a necessity for you and the kids to get involved? Yeah, yeah I think, I, think I, I, I answered this question and I said for me my priority was, was my children yeah. so work, off farm work, on farm work and um, other extracurricular things they had to step back at times you know I had to be conscious I couldn't keep all the balls in the hair so I had to you know back off on my work, work or no I can't do that um, so that was sort of the way of coping when they were littler yeah. um, 
and then as um, as they grew, um, it was just um, them real also realising, or part of them getting to understand that sometimes their needs had to take second priority. So as you said, if we had a if we had a cow that a heifer that was calving, and that was the priority at the time, they then had to learn to sit in the car or wait patiently and that was when they were still quite little or sit in the shed and don't make a big noise because it's hard enough doing the job on yeah. its own um, and then as they got older that just evolved um, yeah and they yeah. were given responsibilities and things to do clearly quite early on um, my girl neither of my girls actually wanted to be hands-on full-time farmers um, so but my young son really from quite a young age. It was probably clear that he wanted to, but I didn't want to put him under the pressure that he had to be a farmer. Um, so a lot of the times, Sam, young Sam took on a lot of that role and the girls then just came in and helped as it, yeah, as it was needed. That was one of the reasons, um, you know, when young Sam got to the um, end of high school, um, We'd had a huge long drought and we weren't in a position to take him. We weren't comfortable that we could bring him back into the business and make it a going concern. So he went off to the territory and places to see whether he wanted to move into that corporate side of things. Um, and yeah, ultimately we had a few good seasons and he learnt that he wanted to be a farmer, not a people manager. Yeah. And he came, came back came home. Us, yeah. That was good. Yeah. So you've mentioned a few times that drought did make up a fair part of the marriage and, and being on the farm. So what would you say were some of the most important lessons that you learnt during the drought and how were you able to manage the, um, the cattle and the sheep on the place yeah. moving forward? Yep, so um, very early in our marriage uh, my husband did um, grazing for profit source, so sell grazing. So we very early learnt that monitoring your rain and your fodder production then gave you a clear guide to what you did with your stock. So probably for droughts it was, yeah, monitor your rain, your fodder growth and reduce stock numbers early rather than waiting them over the time. And it's not always easy to do, um, but I don't think we've ever lived to regret. Um, having, bear, bearing that in mind, and we're in a position that we can come back, so we focus on keeping our core stock of breeding and we might spend a little bit more money on them in the end to keep them because then we've got a base to grow back up from. So that was, that's probably um, around, yeah, in droughts, around stock management. Um, the other thing is just to um, be supportive of each other, really, you know, and when, you know, fortunately, when one of us is down, not too often were we both down together or feeling a bit overwhelmed. So it was just, um, and to help with that, always try and have a little bit of fun from time to time. A little bit of fun doesn't need to cost you money. You know, you can have friends over and everybody can be a plate. And um, one of the things, I've got a middle girl who loves to stargaze and you can go out on a clear night and look at the sky and the sky always looks beautiful even That's if you're standing on dirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and there's lots of other things you can give, but it is that just that real balance to, yeah, being mindful. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. How did you go with water management during the drought? Um, because we had, um, as I said, we had drought pretty much on and off through the whole of our marriage. Big stint at the end, um, but very early on, because we'd done the grazing for profit course um, 
they talked about reticulated water being good for stock, just the production, you know. So we put in um, a trough system. Yeah. Um, over the years it took a while because it's not an inexpensive thing, but again, um, we've always had, and we're fortunate, we ran on, run on to the bottom on the permanent water so we can pump, um, so we've always got a water supply. Although, yeah, there's always issues, um, but yeah, we've, we've, we haven't run out, we're not in a position where we run out of water. Always yeah. keep a backup pump and, and parts. Yes, yeah, 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 because if you don't have a pump then you do run out of water and yeah. keep an eye on your tanks because just unbeknownst to you there's a break in the pipe and you've lost your whole tank load and yeah, but so monitoring that's probably, yeah, yep. a reticulated system and, and just always monitoring through that droughts, yeah. 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 Your methods during the drought, were they to make little decisions more often or did you set time limits on when you would, you know, sell the next lot or...? Um, yeah, theoretically, time limits, <laughs> time, you know, yeah, we had, yeah, we always, yeah, yeah, no, I think probably um, we always had some form planning, what goes next, when, when does that happen, yeah. Um, and it's like everything, it's not an actually precise science. So sometimes we didn't do it and we should have, and other times we did it and we shouldn't have. So yeah, so it, um, yeah, that's why, that's why you never get bored farming. Hindsight is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so during, between those drought periods, did you have any higher than usual rain periods or flooding that caused other issues on the farm? Um, Oh, you always have, yeah, there's, yeah, Mother Nature's, um, she can be very kind, she can be very cruel. Um, I can remember at one stage we had a paddock of buckwheat just about ready to harvest and we got a hailstorm and it just annihilated the whole thing. When we like, went to the top of the hill and looked across it, it looked alright, and then when we got to it, it was flattened and there was absolutely nothing you could do about it. Um, again, we're up on undulating country, so we don't have a lot of issues with um, flooding and stuff, but we have just been through um, two really wet seasons, and the thing, a very rare occurrence, we had one in 2016, I think we had one when the children were little in about the late 1990s, and the thing that I've learned from that is stock actually struggle harder in wet weather so really in that wet conditions you've got to monitor their your animal welfare animal yeah. husbandry stuff yeah and try and get on top of stuff certainly you know we've got we've got sheep so worms raise their ugly head um, yep with grey abandoned um, especially Barbara's pole um, they can look all right one day and the next day they're looking pretty awful um, yeah the other thing probably with me, having come from a dairy farm and come to wet seasons, is have wet, good wet weather deer, because it's much easier to go out and do, we're in a colder climate, not much of New South Wales suffers like we do, but yeah. you know, a bit, um, but yeah, when it's when it's wet, if you've got good wet weather gear, it just makes trudging out there and doing, yep. slodging through the mud an easier task. <laughs> and check. Yeah, I just, you know, I think, I think, if you're fortunate enough, like I am, to um, to be able to, you know, be grow grow up and live on off the land, is um, it um, it just 
the variation, you never get bored, um, there's a lot of satisfaction in what you do, um, you're doing something that provides for the wider community and definitely um, within the family unit um, it certainly supports your kids to have a really good strong work ethic and that's something I think in Australia that we used to pride ourselves on and might be waning a little bit. So um, yeah, if you've got your country kids you can be pretty confident that they're a bit sought after in the workplace these days because they most of them know how to roll up their sleeves and get on with a bit of work when it needs to be done. Thank you Eleanor for coming on today and sharing your your story, your tips and your tricks and what you've learnt over the years on the farm. It's always uh, good to see someone come from you know that dairy background or a different background into you know something that is quite different and how you've adapted over that. I'm much better with sheep these days. Much better with sheep, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs>